Hello, hello, and welcome to another enlightening episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout, the show where we explore the hidden depths of burnout and how it affects the lives of ADHD and autistic professionals. I'm your host, Carol Jean Whittington, and today we have a truly exceptional guest with us. Our guest today is Chesie Kennedy, a renowned TEDx speaker and neurodiversity trainer. She's here to take us on a journey through the uncharted territories of burnout, both its mental and physical toll, and how she found her way back to thriving. We'll uncover the relentless pressures we face, the pitfalls of following so-called business gurus, and the importance of recognizing the physical impact of burnout on our well-being. So get ready for a captivating conversation that could change the way you perceive and begin to tackle burnout in your life. Stay tuned as Chesie shares her incredible journey and insights and so much more. Don't miss this episode. It's time to unmask the true nature of burnout. Let's get started today. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by inspiring guests as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on your journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. We have got a power-packed show for you today, my friends. And yes, we are an hour early today because I have to go pick up my rental car to head to Missouri tomorrow because I'm going to go watch my youngest son graduate from boot camp in AIT. So we've got a pretty big uh, day ahead of us. So let's get going with the show today. I've got some really, I think, powerful topics to kind of kick us off. And hey, if you're joining us here today and you're in the chat, please say hi. Hey, Charlie, I'm so glad to see you. So today, this week, the third week of September, kicks off Eczema Awareness Week. And guys, there's some reasons that I'm going to be talking about a lot of different topics today as we sort of dive into What's going on in the world? What's happening? What are we looking at? What are we um, embracing, celebrating? And how does the how do these things impact us? So September is Eczema Awareness Week, and tomorrow is Celiac Awareness Day. Now, guys, this is my wheelhouse right here. I don't have uh, eczema so much as I I do have celiac. I am a celiac. My dad is a celiac. You know, nice genetic component that we all talk about. I told him one day, I said, Dad, you didn't have to share those genes with me. I would have liked like the Gloria Vanderbilt or something like that. You didn't have, you could have kept these. Because, um, you know, I love bread and I love pizza, but I've had to find new alternatives. But the reason that I was sharing these two things in particular, that it's Eczema Awareness Week and that it's also Celiac Awareness Day tomorrow. And hey, guys, share the chat. Is this you? Do you have eczema or are you a celiac also? Because here's some interesting statistics that kind of come back home for our neurotype. 17% of autistics have eczema. 
shock, right? <laughs> and we are 20 times higher the rate of autistics that have celiac disease compared to non-autistics. Now there's no like direct correlation that anybody's come up with yet, but they are showing that we are 20 times more likely to have celiac than non-autistics. And then 17% of us, more of us have uh, eczema. So guys, this is definitely something to be thinking about. So I wanted to share some tips to manage the itch. And if you are looking for some good resources, the National Eczema Association has some really great resources and articles and tips around eczema. Uh, Josh has eczema. My oldest son has eczema. And it is really tough. And as we're entering the cooler months, I know that this is also a time where, you know, your skin gets really dry. It gets really itchy. Um, and it can be really tough, especially when it gets raw and it starts to hurt. So one of the things that we found that has really been an amazing resource and more so than any of the like quote unquote eczema creams that we tried was just pure petroleum jelly, not fragranced or with any of the stuff, but just applied frequently throughout the day. That petroleum jelly made the most difference for the folks that itch in my household. And I use it on a lot of my dry scaly spots because thank you perimenopause, right? Um, another suggestion that came from the National Eczema Association was to wear sunscreen. Make sure you get the kind for sensitive skin. And another one is to avoid products with coloring and fragrance that that can make it worse. So we got a question here in the chat. Um, how do you get tested for celiac? So it, it can be done two different ways. You can get tested for celiac with a blood test and you can also uh, have it done through a biopsy of the stomach lining. There's several different ways. They've advanced way since way beyond uh, when I was originally tested. So definitely go, go check it out. But those are some of the ways that are there. Uh, so today is September 12th and it is chocolate milkshake day. <laughs> I figured if we were gonna talk about all the itchy and stuff and the things that we can't eat, we might as We'll talk about some of the fun stuff. So I have to avoid dairy as well, but I can make like an almond or a safe, um, you know, dairy-free chocolate milkshake, but it is chocolate milkshake day. And I wanted to share some insights around the health benefits of chocolate, because uh, th there really are. There's some great antioxidants in dark chocolate that help to lower bad cholesterol levels and prevent plaque on the artery walls. That's a good thing. While the flavanols in chocolate are good for lowering blood pressure and improving blood flow. So eating dark chocolate in moderation can lower your chances of heart disease. So hello, folks. There are some great reasons right there for you to uh, maybe find a way to indulge in a chocolate milkshake today. Chocolate's one of my favorite things. So September 10th was Suicide Prevention Awareness Day, and, and we also had the whole week. And I want to talk about this because I, this is something that I have personally experienced throughout my life. And it began at the age of six for me with suicidal ideation, but that also co-occurred with the first autistic burnout that I can go back and now recognize. And this was one of the reasons that I founded Mind Your Autistic Brain. Um, not just because of my own lifetime struggle with suicidal ideation and even attempts throughout my life, but because I had lost three very dear people to me in the span of a week. And at that point, I had just gotten on the cusp of beginning to thrive and getting out of burnout. And the reason I started Mind Your Autistic Brain and one of the main reasons that I wrote my new book that just published Unleashing Sustainable Energy was because 
this had been so life transforming for me and life giving. And I had lost friends who had not found it. And so I am so very passionate, excuse me, about sharing this because it is so incredibly important because each person's life is so very valuable. And I want to try and help each and every person that's out there that's ever thought that they didn't want to be here anymore, that it was just so hard, that there is a way. And there are a lot of statistics that are out there right now. And, and these were some that were really eye-opening. And I'm going to remove Um, women who are both autistic and ADHD, this was something that was really important. Um, we need to be here for each other and to be supportive of one another. And I know uh, Charlie, who is part of Awesome Charlie, is a phenomenal advocate and is so incredibly supportive. And this is something that um, she speaks about. So if you are looking for someone to come in and speak around this, please do contact Charlie. In the United States, you can contact the Suicide Crisis Hotline at 988, and they have a really wonderful resource online um, if you go to their website for neurodivergent um, access, which is really, really nice to see. And if you're in the United Kingdom, you can go to findahelpline.com. Okay. Sorry if that was a little hard for anybody. I apologize. It, it is an important information, an important conversation for us to have. Um, so this October, I am hosting a Lunch and Learn series. I try and do one every month, if not every other month. And um, in October, the Lunch and Learn series will be around the power of acknowledgement. And this will be with Miss Judy Umless, who is the author of The Power of Acknowledgement. And the reason I wanted to mention this again today, she was on the show a few episodes ago, is because one of the things that really transformed and changed and made the greatest impact in my life, because I felt so unseen, unheard, and misunderstood, was learning about the power of acknowledgement. And not just how it shows up in my life, but also how I use the power of acknowledgement in that in the lives of other people. And if you would please join us uh, in October, there will be a link in the show notes. I'll come back and drop it in the comments. Uh, you guys can sign up. We have two different dates for this event in October. So you can pick uh, one of the lunchtime slots that works best for you. Come learn through the power of acknowledgement, how you can change your life and that of those that you care about.
So my guest today is the incredible Chezzy Kennedy, and Chezzy is really fantastic. She models and exemplifies thriving, and she works for a company called Thrive. Uh, this is Chezzy here with one of the really cool STEM tools that she 3D prints and takes to her training events that she does. And this is one of the models that she 3D printed and painted. She's got a really cool uh, channel on Instagram, and I'll make sure I've got that down in the show notes as well so that you guys can check her out. I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. We did pre-record this uh, at the end of last week. So here we go, guys. I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Jessie Kennedy, a true champion of neurodiversity and inclusion. She is an incredible trainer, TEDx speaker, and so much more. Get ready for an eye-opening conversation about the physical impact of burnout on ADHD autistic professionals. Welcome to the show, Jessie. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. We were just chit-chatting, you know, like we always do, <laughs> you and I, when we get when we get a room together. And I went to a presentation that you did yesterday around suicide prevention because we are, we just are wrapping up as the show is airing. Um, suicide prevention week. We had suicide prevention day on Sunday. And you know, this is this is the reason suicide is the reason that I started Mind Your Autistic Brain. And when I saw the conversation and was part of that yesterday with Chezzy and the conversations that were happening and the things that were being brought up, guys, that the, the results sometimes when we're in burnout and we are late identified can be so incredibly isolating. And that's one of the reasons I started this talk show was so that we could find our people. We could find maybe the person that connects with you, you know, because I may not be your number one person and I want to introduce you to your person. And hopefully that person, and she's my person, is Chessie Kennedy. And we're going to be talking about burnout and the impact that can have, especially in like our working world. And how does that really show up in our bodies? Because when we also have co-occurring health conditions that can really wreck you real bad when you don't realize what's happening. And that's what happened to me. And that's what happened to so many people. So Chazzy, get us started with sort of how do we even end up getting in this place in the first, you know, in that place of physical impact from burnout? How do we even get there? What's the journey? I mean, how do we end up like, what are the thoughts or the expectations that land us here sometimes? I, I think for me, I think it's really simple how we get here as neurodivergent individuals. And this is lovely being in your talk show because I'm usually really careful like to wear everybody. But no, this talk show is about us neurodivergent individuals. So I'm going there. <laughs> so quite Go often, there, baby. And <laughs> so quite often as a neurodivergent individual, you are trying to live your life the way everybody tells you you should. This is what you have to do. This is, we've all got the same 24 hours in the day. Make the most of every single one of them. I hate that because do you know what? I haven't. I've probably got about four, five tops that I can make use of. Oh, you are so speaking my language. <laughs> and that's, you know, that was one of the things uh, that uh, you and I have talked about in the past when you've been on some of these great panel conversations we've had here on the show. And it's, 
identifying your peak performance hours, like knowing what your window of operation is and accepting that that is really amazing. And you don't have to be this high performer 16 hours a day. That's just, I don't even know. I don't know anybody that does that. Do you? I used to. <laughs> well, I did too, but let's just say <laughs> I wasn't impactful in that 16 hours. And yeah. it's, it's interesting when you start to identify like your peak performance hours and you start working with your brain and your body and find, you know, what that time of day is for you and like your communication styles. This is something else you and I both talk about is, you know, identifying your communication styles, but it's those expectations of like, grind it out. You know, we got, we got the same 24 hours and I'm like, no, we don't have the same 24 hours. Yeah. What else kind of comes up in this sort of, how do we get here conversation, Jesse? Um, I think it as well as a lot of not really understanding who we are, how our bodies work. And we're constantly, I think one of the things, particularly late uh, individuals who are diagnosed late, you have a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that you carry around. And you're always thinking, oh, if I can just master this, then I will be better. And that then it almost it's never going to happen. If you're trying to work a way that your body and your mind just doesn't, you're never going to hit that point yet you'll keep trying and you'll keep reinforcing the fact that you're doing it wrong and you're not doing it wrong because you're not following the steps you're doing it wrong because that's not the way your brain is designed to do things okay so yesterday in that fabulous conversation i love being part of conversations like that especially when there's so many of us in the room sort of sharing and talking and the chat box was kind of like lighting up as all you yeah. guys were talking yesterday and i had this like i i don't know about you but i i've been tossing around like neurotypical neuromajority none of those terms really seem to fit and yesterday i had this like light bulb massive like aha shift and I have looked at it, and this is my word now, Jazzy, neurodominant. Yeah, like it. Because it's it's like who writes history? Well, the winners of whatever battle we fought, right? Yeah. And I think that's a lot because, you know, we hear this conversation, I'm living in a world that's not designed for me. Right. And I think when we're talking about this conversation of like, how do we get here? A lot of it is... The world isn't designed for us, but the thing is, we've been part of the world since humans have existed. Our neurotype has existed. Yeah. And it's kind of like who wrote history? Well, it's the neurodominant group who I don't think is a majority, which is why I think neuromajority is not a good term anymore. I think we are the majority, but I think we are more collaborative. We're a not, we, we seek to work together. And so therefore the dominant folks who are like the bossy ones showing up saying, well, this is how we're doing it. And this is how it goes. And, you know, we're just going to like, go ahead and organize and plug all this stuff in. And, you know, the rest of you guys either put up or shut up. Right. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of what's happened. And I think we've got to start taking, you know, cause it's those, we have should, we have been shooting ourselves to death. Hmm. I should be able to do it like this. Because 
it's expected or people say this is how you should do it. I mean, I can't tell you how many jobs I have worked 60 and 80 hours, taken everything home, worked on weekends and at night just to hit what I believed were the thresholds or the expectations because no one set some clear expectations for me. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's actually really, really sad. And as you were saying about that name type, it's really interesting because I have such a hang up on the different terminology that's used. But equally, I understand we need to have it because it's an easy association. But I don't I don't want a them and us culture. I don't want I there to either. be two tribes, which is why I really don't like the term neurodivergent. because It just makes me think of that film and how everybody is pigeonholed. So I, I was for a short period of time thinking, no, no, I really like near minority, near majority. And then quite rightly, somebody called me out and they said, but actually I'm already in a minority group. And now you're telling me because I'm neurodivergent, I'm now a minority of a minority group. And I was like, wow, okay. I can see that's problematic too, but it's like, where do we go with this? So I, I decided to take a different frame point on it completely. I was like, you know what? How individuals want to identify, that's okay, be whatever you want. Just pick if somebody's using a, a, a saying that you're not comfortable with, then let them know. Or if you're not sure, just ask. But we need to stop taking offense because someone's got it wrong. And I'm going to say it here and I'll probably get flamed for it. I think a lot of autistic individuals, we are the worst for doing it. Someone's trying to help and they've put a done a, a post about that. We need to support a neurodiverse individual. What do we do? Suddenly they're flamed. An individual cannot be neurodiverse. You've missed the point completely. Somebody is trying to help. Someone is trying to be an ally. Stop. Take a breath. Move on. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, you know, when we're carrying that type of, you know, and it's, it comes from a wound. Let's just let's just call it all out. Let's just yeah. go ahead and throw all this out on the table. That comes from a place of a wound. You know, when you've been othered and bullied and and picked on and and you finally found an answer to what's been going on in your life and kind of who you are then we can get entrenched in our rightness and that can be the rightness of the words we've chosen for ourselves but we at the in the expense of compassion and curiosity and grace yeah absolutely and that is what creates bigger barriers and greater challenges and it does not allow for an open conversation and connection. And yeah, connection is what stop trying. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's when allies are so important because as we've already established, the allies can work way more hours than we can. So if we get it right, our allies can champion our cause when we're needing to rest. But if we scare yes. the allies off, they're going to think, I'm not even going to try because I might get it wrong and then I'm going to get attacked and then I'm going to get called out. That's not okay. We've got to connect with kindness. Yes, we do. So as we're kind of like shifting into our next part of our conversation, because we've talked about sort of the expectations and I feel like this, the, the conversation that we've just had really kind of ties into that because, you know, from my side of things, I'm talking about how do we restore from burnout? And for so many of us, it's starting and beginning to identify where energy is pouring in and where energy is pouring out. How many holes do you have in your energy bucket? 
Yeah. And I think, you know, mental and thought energy is some of the greatest expenditure for so many of us, especially if we get caught in thought loops because that loop hasn't closed. We haven't gotten a closure or an understanding. And I think when we're talking about our expectations around what we should be able to accomplish in a day, the expectations that we think other people have of us, and then the expectations we have of ourselves, especially when it comes from a place of emotional safety needs, because so many of us, one of the biggest number one unmet needs in the work that I do in the unveiling method is the need for emotional safety. And for so many of us who have gone our entire lives being unidentified, that has been, you know, trauma and the impact of that has really played a big part on not feeling emotionally safe. And so when we are at work, we're usually doing ourselves to death because it doesn't feel safe if we don't, if we're not the best, if we make a mistake. How do you think some of that has maybe, has some of that shown up for you, Shezzy? And what are some of the experiences that you've had that kind of led you to your burnout physical breakdown? Uh, well, I think, yeah, for, for me, so if I go back just before the, the what's that saying the wheels start falling off the car or something like that i'm, I'm terrible with idioms because i get so distracted but the, it all kind of started crumbling just before covid hit so probably if we go back to i don't know maybe january 2020 um my business was doing okay i used to do a lot of work i had a different business i didn't work for thrive then i had my own business and I used to do a lot of work in schools, supporting teachers to manage their neurodivergent students. So I did loads of work there. But what I was finding is that I was slowly failing to mask my autistic self who doesn't follow procedures very well if they make no sense. So that was the first trigger that was happening. So I was finding I was losing clients, school clients, because I was saying it as it was, that it wasn't the child's fault and they had no right to exclude a particular child because they hadn't met sensory needs. And I would get into all these big arguments with the schools, yet if I put on my neurotypical mask, what I should have been thinking is, this is the paying client, I need to pay them lip service, I need to be respectful of the way that they're doing things and try and tiptoe around their needs and not really put the needs of the child first because they're paying me but my autistic brain just couldn't that wasn't happening so that was that was the first thing and so my mask was already starting to slip and I think now that also showed that I was starting to get stressed because I wasn't able to play the role properly and then obviously um as I started losing clients I then kind of panicked i found myself on um facebook following the all these so-called business gurus who are like, i've got the answer for you if you buy my program 10-step program and i got suckered into the groups and i brought several of them and it i i don't think i have adhd maybe i do i don't know but i got really suckered into that you need to buy it this is this is the answer this is this is the snake oil this is what we've got and everybody in the group would be buying, so I would buy it too. I'd follow all the steps because I'm quite literal. So if I'm told to do something, I would. I did it to the point. But what I didn't realize is that I was following 
business coaches who were selling to other people trying to build their business. And that's a completely different psychology to where my business was, which was in the UK, selling support to parents to manage their neurodivergent children. We're not there yet in the UK. The UK parents are not ready really to pay for that kind of thing because doing online courses as a not for a course is just not really there yet. But anyway, I kept beating myself up thinking it's me doing wrong, it's me doing wrong. I'd go from one person to another to another. I'm losing money constantly now in my business. I'm getting frustrated. I'm being told when I put questions in these groups, this isn't working. I'm being told I've got a money mindset. I'm not working hard enough. I haven't got the right content in my newsletter. I'm not, I haven't got five funnels and, a, and an upsell or whatever it was, all these reasons of why I'm not good enough. So I'm trying to do that. Now I'm dyslexic. Trying to even just do one post takes half an hour. So my time was just, I, was never, I wasn't seeing my family. I was just bogged in. And then finally I found another coach who, yeah, promised this, promised that. And I, and I had a one-to-one -one call with them. And I said, look, I've got 2000 pounds left in my bank account. I've got nothing else. Is this going to work? Absolutely. And there was all these bonuses that were promised. Do this, you get to power hour with this power hour. What a load of nonsense. You get a power hour with this person. You can have this, you can have that. So I paid it. And I got just a few units of videos, which to be honest, most of it I knew anyway, because I brought so many other courses. None of the bonuses kind of appeared and I'd lost everything. And then suddenly COVID hit. We're locked down. I've now lost all my clients as well. And it was literally within that same week that suddenly um, I got this pain in my leg, which I thought was a bit odd. So then it kind of went to my lower back. So I went and saw a chiropractor and then it just got, uh, and I know it's got nothing to do with the chiropractor, but it just escalated. And within a few months, we were in full lockdown. And suddenly I couldn't walk. I couldn't even sit. I just had to lay down on the floor and I was in screaming. I've never known pain like it. And I've had children. It was horrendous. Nothing. I'm just then isolated. You can't get to the doctors. Doctors have closed. I went to A&E. They didn't really want you there. So they just give you medication, send you off. Nobody examined me. Nobody examined me for eight months. But it got so bad in the end, I was prescribed morphine and I had a litre bottle of morphine that they were, I was taking pregabalin, morphine, codeine, so many of them all, a real cocktail. How I managed to get out and not be addicted is amazing and I'm so grateful for that. I just, but it was gone and it wasn't until the start of the second lockdown in November 21 when I finally got seen by a consultant by this time I'd lost all muscle wastage in my uh, left leg I couldn't even push his hand away with my foot and he looked at the scans he said oh my goodness when was your car accident and I was like I've not been in the car accident oh my gosh yeah and my scan he showed he was so shocked he pulled up another scan of someone who'd been in the car crash and looked at mine exactly the same Holy cow, yeah. Jesse! <laughs> I do put things properly if I'm going to do it. 
I mean, do a bang up job, hon, really. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So how did you go from there? Like, what were you thinking in, in that time frame? I mean, I really just... I mean, you're not able to work. You're not able to do anything. Your body is basically revolting and saying, hey, hold up. You've onboarded so much distress, so much negative stress that, you know, you're you're now showing up in the physical world. And we're going to take it to the degree that you really have had a car wreck in your life. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What, what were some of the thoughts as he was telling you this and you know, sort of what was the journey here? So my initial thought when he told me that is I just laughed and I was like, that'd be silly. And that was when he brought up the other scan to show me. And I was telling, and I started telling him because he, he then he couldn't understand. He said, well, what else has happened? What, happens, what else significant has happened within your life recently? And he was probably thinking for me to say, oh, I fell out of a tree or something random. But when I started telling him, and he just looked at me and went, it doesn't happen often, but stress can do this to an individual. Um, yeah, so from that point, he he was like, oh, we're going to have to operate on you. It should be about a two-hour surgery. They got me in really quickly, which was amazing. But my back was so mangled, it actually was five hours worth of surgery. Um, so yeah, I even shocked the doctor with that one. But amazingly, I woke up from the anesthetic and the pain had gone and I could walk. It was amazing. But in between that time of waiting for surgery and getting healed, um, I have to give so much credit to my wife because she sat down and it's almost like in these times of despair, you're forced to look at stuff. And she'd gone through all our incoming and outgoings and really looked at what was essential what money did we really need and what money were we just spending because we had it on stuff we didn't need and her doing that exercise she was able to show on paper we don't actually need a lot we were very grateful that we hadn't racked up debt we're not those kind of individuals but we were spending on stuff we didn't need and from that moment it was like a massive I suppose that stress weight had been lifted and it was like, you know what? You don't need to be earning loads. And I worked out that I could get better and I could actually just do five hours a week at the local supermarket being paid minimum wage and we would be okay as a family. And although I didn't really want that, for my mind to hear that, that was beautiful. And that's when I uh, was chatting more with Simon who founded Thrive and at the time, he was mainly focused, well, he was just focused on mental health. And we were having this chat and we'd have many chats where I was quite high on morphine and everything else. And I don't remember a word, but apparently they were really good chats. <laughs> um, I love it. But, but he then said, he was like, no, I don't want you to get a job at a supermarket. He was like, come and support me. Just do my social media for me and I will pay you because it thrive was literally just starting as well. He was a one man band at that time. It was, I will pay you the minimum wage because that's all I can afford at the moment, but I don't want you to go into the supermarket. So he took a chance on me and then together we kind of saw the connection and cause he's in corporate work. He's, he comes from corporate, whereas I didn't. 
so with his knowledge and my understanding of neurodiversity, we have grown, thrived to be what it is now, which is like a powerhouse of mental health and neurodiversity. So it certainly yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is one of the things that really made a big difference for me too. And, you know, when we were talking about what are usually the, the catalysts that lead us to burnout and then that physical breakdown that, that most often happens, especially as we're moving into higher levels of spicy burnout from that, you know, transitioning in a level three cayenne to a habanero level four, or that ghost pepper level five. And that ghost pepper level five is usually what I say is so hot you're not. That's when everything really will start, start to shut down. Um, you know, I have clients that come into the unveiling method who are in level five and they're still working full time. And it is, it is such a very delicate balance. You know, I talk about we have a different restoration approach for each pepper level um, and within each degree within that pepper level. And it's so important to meet people where they are, because when when you're at that place, you know, it's what what can I look at? What's the minimum viable for me? And, you know, that was the gift that I could say I gained very similar to what you just described. And gosh, your wife is just an incredible human to sit down and, and put that budget and really look at the numbers, because, you know, we have that those societal norms, those expectations of you have to earn this certain amount to be successful. Yeah. Six figures right? a month, at least. Well, forget it. Right. Right. You know, or, you know, if you don't have a $10,000 a month and your business sucks and, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. Right. And so that becomes sort of the, this goal and this gold standard. And that had happened to me. And when my body completely broke down and I was bedridden, I was, couldn't even, lift my hand some days to feed myself, I had to really look at what, what do I really want? What, how do I define success? What do I really need to be comfortable and, and have the life that I want? Because I have yeah. been living based on the, the expectations of the life that everyone else seemed to have or expect, but it wasn't even what I wanted. And I'd yeah. never stopped to ask myself that question. So and true. I discovered I, it's a hell of a lot less than what people say. You know, it's still, you know, it's, I still want a nice, comfortable chunk for myself and my family. And I think yeah, that's, yeah. you know, what we all need and want, but it's not this crazy excessive number that I thought I was supposed to be achieving that was killing me trying to do it. Absolutely. Perfect. And and I just I think that's so important because I think we forget when we talk about, oh, you've got to write your goals. Where do you want to be? What's what's your ideal lifestyle? And people automatically think, oh, um, like in, in the UK. Yeah. Like you said about that, a ten thousand pounds a month for one individual. That's what I want. Now, we're not talking about a business that's different for a business to generate that because you've got teams. But for one individual to generate really, even with the cost of living crisis, do you really need or want that? And actually, when you strip it back, what do I want? I want to get through the week and not feel like I need to sleep all weekend to recover. I want to get through the day and not end up nonverbal at the end of it. That's what I want. Those are my goals. And it's almost like you have to, people often talk about it, you have to get to rock bottom. And I think that my back going 
for me, that was my rock bottom. That was my wake up call to understand your body, your mental health, because you know what? If you're not going to stop, the body will force you to stop. And it's almost like the, you hear this voice. It's like, like when your mom was there and you're a kid, you need to stop now. Stop. Or I give you a reason to stop. <laughs> it's just like your back's the same or your body. If you do not stop, your body will break you. And then you can't generate any kind of income whatsoever. No, you really can't. And, you know, that's one of the questions that I put in my book. What's what's the result? What's going to happen in your life to the people that you care about? You know, your your partners, your children, your fur babies, even mm -hmm. if you hit a place of burnout where you completely start to shut down, yeah. what is going to what's going to happen there? And I, I don't ask that question to scare people. I ask it to be of service to really kind of shake shake your your mind up for a minute to go pay attention and really think about what's going to happen because that is exactly the path that most people are on in burnout and especially when they don't recognize that they fall into that restoration illusion trap if they've been hanging out at a level four habanero pepper burnout for a long time and that's become the new norm like that's the you know i i nonverbal by the end of the day at shutting down, you know, every weekend spent in bed or under the duvet or the couch trying to recover just to make it to Monday, push through, maybe have a decent somewhat of a day Monday. And by Tuesday, Wednesday, it's starting all over again. And when you're in that place, if something shifts and you've been there for a long time and that's been like the norm now, when something shifts and, and the stress changes and you start to get some of your needs met more consistently and some energy starts pouring in, and you move down maybe even just a few degrees within that same level or you move down to the maybe a level three cayenne pepper level and you feel better you've got a little bit more energy your skills and abilities don't feel as taxed maybe executive function is, is shifting a little bit if for the better and if they're out of burnout when they're really just in a lesser degree of burnout and that's one of the big pitfalls because the minute something shifts again, because you're not aware of what's going on and you're not cognizant of the elements in your life for burnout and restoration, then you end up on this chronic cycle burnout because something shifts, you don't have the things in place to adjust for it or to continue to restore. And you're boom, next thing you know, you're back in a four, maybe you go deeper and you're in a five. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the important thing with burnout, which a lot of people don't realize, it's not a case of if I burn out, it's when. And even now when I'm thinking and I'm setting up my uh, like planner for the year, I'm always thinking the first thing I do every year now is I will block out one week every single quarter. That's non-negotiable. That is blocked out. Occasionally, so like this week, for example, I've had to move my week just by one week, but I feel okay and I feel like I can manage that, but it's still there. And I will constantly do things to make sure that I don't burn out. If somebody wants a call with me and I think, you know what, I've got a really busy day that day, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not taking that call. I will move it. And it's those little things, giving yourself permission to know. Burnout isn't like, it's not shameful. It's not a bad thing that as particularly as autistic individuals, we are not 
we're just not designed to be on that treadmill. And there's no shame from saying, you know what, I'm going to protect myself from burnout because if I don't, it will. If I don't do anything, it will get me. There's, you can't argue with that. Nope, you sure can't. So, Chazzy, how how did you, what began? Because I know you started working with Simon and you started to, you know, sort of restore in your own health, right? What brought you, do you think, would like putting that week in every quarter, you know, really looking at your energy throughout the day and deciding, is this something that I can do within you know, what I know is my, my peak performance cycle today and is it going to serve me or do I need to do this some way differently? What are, how did that, how long did that take you from your back and your surgery to where you are today about what was the cycle of restoration for you in that? And, and what is your thriving um, sort of blueprint? Blimey. Okay. I'm rubbish with stacked questions, but I'll try and do that. I know. I'm sorry. I was trying to do one because I know you're like one question at a time. (laughs) I charge extra for other questions. Um, So, well, I'll give you the one. (laughs) So yeah. How did I start to recover myself? So first, the very first challenge that I had, and as I touched on briefly, I had to get off of this medication. And it was such strong medication. And it was only because um, before I had children, I used to work in the operating theatres. So I knew how addictive, how highly addictive these drugs were that I'd been given. So that was always in my mind that I had to get off of this medication. So that was my first challenge. And my heart just goes out to anybody who has, uh, for no fault of their own, got addicted to Uh, prescribed medication because I think it's given out too easy and there's not enough support for that but anyway my first challenge was to get off of that but fortunately at that time like I said I was eight months on the floor and that's not an exaggeration it's literally eight months I couldn't do anything and now I'm somebody I like always like to be doing so I discovered miniature painting then so I used to spend my hours just laid on the floor painting these tiny little figures And I'd already kind of found that by painting them, it was like a meditative state I could get into. It was just me, the model, the paints, no other thoughts needed. So I already realized as I recovered from surgery that I'd found something that worked for me. And I already knew about the benefits of meditation and mindfulness and things like that. But until that point, I'd never found something that completely switched off my mind. So I I kept making sure that even now I was mobile, I was going to dedicate time every day to paint something. And even now I still, I don't paint every day now, but I will paint at least once a week. I will make sure that I go back to that. And it was then just really, I just completely reevaluated, having known like financially, this is the cash that I need. I then completely re- just reevaluated everything. What is important to me? What is important to my family? I love walking the dogs. I, and I started to think, why did I give up like proper, as they call it, proper work, as my mum says, when you're going to get a proper job? I gave up having a proper job to do my own thing. And I thought, why did I do that? I did that because I wanted to walk the dogs. I wanted to be able to go and do something when I want to do it. 
So I started to put in those things as a priority first. They get first dibs in my diary for the rare occasion. Maybe I've got a traveler and I can't walk the dogs. But that to me, that's first dibs in the diary is walking the dog, making sure that I'm not I will not look at anything after 5 p.m. Laptop goes off. Don't care. Weekends not happening. I'm not even looking. I don't care if there's an emergency. I've worked in life and death situations. This isn't a life and death situation. And I heard the mantra of somebody else's poor planning is not an emergency on my behalf. And I love that because it's like, not my problem. I'll deal with it, but I'm not joining your chaotic energy. And I think that was setting boundaries, I think. Um, I usually try not to use a million words, and I just have. But I think the easy thing is I set boundaries for myself and I stick to them and I regularly check. And if I do struggle, which I do, I'm a human, there are times where I do feel, in fact, just these last couple of weeks, I felt my mental health not dipping into depression or anything like that, but I felt my mood go slightly. I, I know if I'm getting stressed because things will make me quick to get emotionally dysregulated. So I can catch it now, I can recognize it. So I've started journaling again every morning. I'll wake up and I'll just do some journaling. I'm reading again. So I'm aware of what I need to, I need to get off. So the biggest thing I did was I got off Facebook. The stuff gets posted because of Thrive, but I personally do not look at the platform. It, for me, it was a real negative space of FOMO and nastiness. I only use LinkedIn to put, um, sorry, not LinkedIn, Instagram to photograph my little models as just like a way of keeping the photos. I don't care who else looks at them. But that's all I use it for as a storage place for me. And yeah, I use LinkedIn because I'm giving out content I'm serving, but I don't expect anything back from anybody on LinkedIn. And if there's a spicy conversation going on, I won't get involved. So Chazzy, those are some incredible insights that you have shared today about your journey to thriving from that rock bottom of my body in burnout has just decided to revolt it has said no more we quit yeah. as we say in the deep south calf rope <laughs> the calf got roped it was down it was over <laughs> you know and and that's one of the things is you know we call it in the unveiling method your thrive destination statement when you're crafting from a place of intention and empowerment, this is what I want my life to be. You know, walking the dog, that's the priority there. And I'm, that's, you know, we have those non-negotiables for the things that we need. And it's not about, oh, I want it. It's sometimes those things are the things that we need because those are the things that energize us. Those are the things that create the life that we envision for ourselves. And I love that what you do with Simon Nichols at Thrive. And Simon will be on the show in a couple of weeks, guys. So stick around for that conversation because we're gonna dive into and learn a little bit more about Thrive and what they do. But Chessie, I love that what you guys talk about is we wanna help one person thrive every day because that one person that we help thrive is gonna touch the lives and ripple out to so many others. And, and that is absolutely what what I seek to do here as well. 
so that you are helping one person thrive. How can people connect with you, get in touch with Thrive, engage your services? Because you are an incredible speaker. And I'm telling you, trainer, speaker, it is all about Chesy Kennedy, guys. You do not miss out on, on connecting with her and bringing her into your company. So share a little bit about where people can find you, where they can work with you, and some of the yeah. things you guys have coming up right now. Because I know you do okay. some free webinars. Yes, we have. Um, so yeah, probably the easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So it's Shezzy Kennedy on LinkedIn. Simon is also on LinkedIn. We've got a Thrive page. So um, that's it's time to number two Thrive on LinkedIn. You'll find us there. Um, just for a bit of friendly competition, um, last year, Simon and I both did a TED Talk. And we're in competition so you can get the most views. So go and view mine. And um, there's no such thing as a naughty child. And I'm sure so I'll promote his, but I'm not promoting his because I want everyone to watch mine. <laughs> I love this. I love how some healthy competition. There you go, guys. Go watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, every month we do a free webinar. We tend to alternate between a mental health webinar or a neurodiversity webinar. They are all the pre-records are all put up on our YouTube channels. That is time to thrive. You'll find us there. And our, our one that's always the last Wednesday of the month at, I think it's 12 o'clock British summertime there, but you can sign up. And even if you can't make it, you get the replay. And this month we're talking about uh, mental health and infertility. So it's going to be a really interesting um, conversation there. Oh, yes, it is. That's a very good one. I know uh, lots of folks in uh, in our community that would really benefit from that conversation right now that are experiencing some of those infertility challenges. And, you know, that does that hits your heart. And that's that's a hard place to navigate. And you always need some support in that. I've been there. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today, Chazzy. I will have the link down in the show notes for you to connect with Chazzy over on LinkedIn to view her TEDx talk because we got a healthy competition going on. I love that. And where you can sign up for any of the webinars that Thrive has coming up or go take a look at the bank of amazing training that they have on their YouTube channel. Thank you so much for being here today, Chazzy. This has been fantastic. Oh, thank you for having me. Enjoy it. Well, it'd help if I unmuted, wouldn't it? <laughs> thank you so much for being here with us today. Chessie is such an incredible gift. She is a wonderful friend. And I tell you, I don't ever have a conversation with her that I don't walk away really thinking differently about something that we talked about, about some experience that I'd had in my life. And we sincerely hope that this conversation we shared with you today met you where you are, let you know that you're not alone. And to take this a little further, last week I had the amazing Kanan Techendani talking all about organizing as an ADHD autistic human. And we have a fabulous workshop as part of the Mind Your Autistic Brain third annual self-care September series. We are hosting a live Create Your Calm event with Kanan coming up on Tuesday next week. The link will be down in the show notes. I'll make sure that it's there. Please go sign up. We would love for you to join us. This is a free event. This is offered as part of the self-care September for Mind Your Autistic Brain. And 
Hey guys, this past Saturday was my big book launch party sponsored by XXO Connect and Hyperlexic Publishing and hosted by the phenomenal Nikki Collins. She is the founder of the Autism, the Autism Coach and author of Through Autistic Eyes. And we had a wonderful conversation. My book is out now and you can get it in a variety of accessibility features, including easy to read font and open dyslexic font. It also includes something that is breaking publishing glass ceilings to accessibility and includes an audio version and video version with captions. Because when you're in burnout, sometimes how you take in and process information can change, not just from day to day, but from moment to moment. And quite often, one of the skills and abilities that we can lose temporarily or that can really be impacted is our ability for our eyes to team and track to read. So I wanted to make sure that everyone had as many accessibility features to this life-giving book as absolutely possible. Guys, thank you so much for being here today, joining me, sharing time together. This means so much. Gratitude flows as we come to the end of another incredible episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout. Thank you for being a part of this empowering journey. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and I'm inspired by your commitment to growth and resilience. Keep applying these insights to your life. And remember, we're here every step of the way together. Share this show with others who could use a boost of empowerment. And let's create a ripple effect of positive change. Until next time, take care, stay energized, and keep thriving, my friend. You are not alone.